When it comes to their kids, there's no shortage of overbearing parents, but some take things way too far. Today, I want you to meet two ruthless pom-pom moms who would do just about anything to get their daughters in the limelight. From kidnapping to attempted murder, these mothers will stop at nothing to ensure their daughters are the stars of the show. Well, let's get into this. It is so good to see you. I'm Amy, and this is True Crime Recaps. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, you're in the right place. Every week, Chris and I are here recapping developing cases and shedding new light on old mysteries. We'd love to have you join us as we explore some crazy twists and turns in this dangerous world. If you're tuning in on YouTube, take a second to hit subscribe and hit the bell so you don't miss a thing. Now, the first mom you need to meet is Wanda Holloway, or as you might know her, the Texas cheerleader mom. Over the years, she's become something of an urban legend, but for Verna Heath and her daughter Amber, she is all too real. The police came for Wanda on a Thursday afternoon on the last day of January in 1991. She's in the kitchen making dinner when they knock. It's not really a surprise. She knows exactly why they're there. Before she opens the door, she carefully takes off her diamond jewelry and leaves it on the kitchen table. She's going to prison for plotting the murder of a rival mom. As they walk her out to her squad car, her 13-year-old daughter, Shayna, watches in horror. Her mother tells her, Grandma is coming over. I'll be back. Shayna had been practicing her cheerleading routine in the garage. Wanda and her third husband, C.D. Holloway, had converted it to a dance studio especially for her one of the perks of marrying a man with money. CD was 20 years older than Wanda, but the two of them had been making eyes at each other for years, ever since they met in the choir at the Missionary Baptist Church where Wanda played the piano. She was the kind of woman who wanted things, and CD had the means to give them to her. The nice car, the nice house, and the nice neighborhood in Channel View, Texas, just outside of Houston. But even with all his oil-filled service money, he couldn't buy her everything she wanted. And for the last two years, the thing she wanted most was to be a cheer mom. And Lord knows she tried to make it happen. But every time she thought she'd made it, her nemesis, Verna Heath, was standing in the way. So let me tell you about Verna. Verna and Wanda had known each other for years. So had Amber and Shayna. The two families lived only a block away from each other in the same subdivision, and that wasn't the only thing they had in common. The four women were very much alike. Shayna and Amber weren't necessarily friends, but they definitely knew of each other. They ran in the same circles, and they did a lot of the same activities. But if you had to choose just one mother-daughter team that seemed to be winning at life just a little more, you'd probably point to Amber and Verna. Amber was no stranger to competition. She'd been winning beauty pageants since she was three. Shayna did a stint as a model at the mall. Amber had been taking baton twirling lessons since she could walk. Her grandmother was Channel View's most popular instructor. Shayna got private cheerleading lessons starting at age five. Amber was eighth grade class president. Shayna was vice president. Amber was voted friendliest and most spirited. Shayna was an honor student, and their moms were just as similar. Everybody knew both Wanda and Verna went 150% for their kids, which is a nice way of saying... They were those moms, especially Wanda. But they had the same ambitions for their daughters, cheerleading. In Texas in 1991, there was no higher calling for a teenage girl. Cheerleaders were practically the embodiment of the American dream. And if you were serious about cheerleading and you had the money to back up your ambitions, 
Alpha Gymnastics Studio in Channel View was the place to be. Teachers certified by the National Cheerleading Association taught tumbling and gymnastics there, and both Shayna and Amber were longtime students. The trouble started in 1989 with the seventh grade cheerleader tryouts at Alice Johnson Junior High. So Wanda had taken Shayna out of Channel View Christian School, private school, and enrolled her at Alice Johnson Public Junior High. So she did that so she'd be eligible, you know, to make the team. Well, meanwhile, Amber is still at Channel View Christian, but Verna got the principal's permission to let her daughter try out anyway, and she would officially enroll her later. But making the team doesn't just come down to the most talented. There's a campaign element to it. Team hopefuls have to lobby their classmates. They're trying to get their vote. So Wanda, it seems, hadn't really planned on that, but Verna had. She printed up flyers for Amber. They handed them out with peppermint candies. Wanda was not pleased. She complained to the school board and talked about getting a lawyer. She even told other parents to tell their kids not to vote for Amber since she didn't even officially go to school at Alice Johnson, but it was no use. Amber won the open position. Oh, I want to say Wanda didn't take it well, but that is like the understatement of the year. Everyone agreed if Amber hadn't been allowed to try out, Shayna probably would have made the team. Well, the Holloway family did have one victory, though. The school board agreed that cheerleading hopefuls had to be enrolled in the Channel View public school system for at least one semester before they could be allowed to try out. But the new rule didn't apply to Amber, so it was kind of like, well, that's great, but doesn't really matter to us now. So the next year, it was on. Wanda was determined that nothing would come between Shayna and those freaking pom-poms. So she starts planning for the big day months earlier. Her main focus was the campaign since that's where things had broken down the first time. Verna's candy and flyers had really clinched it for Amber and Wanda wanted to top it. So that's when Shayna's father, Tony, has a brainstorm. They'll hand out wooden rulers and number two pencils emblazoned with the words, vote for Shayna Harper for cheerleader. It was an idea that would come to be known as the ruler incident. And it all fell apart on the first day. According to the school board, rulers and pencils didn't comply with the election rules, but Wanda handed them out anyway, even after they told her to stop. Well, a few days later, an emergency meeting was called. The verdict? Shayna was disqualified. Her next chance to make the team wouldn't be until March of 1991, a full year later. So Wanda stood over that for months until she came to a conclusion. For Shayna to win, Amber needed to disappear. When the school year started in the fall of 1990, she put her plan in motion. Phase one involved her former brother-in-law, Terry Harper, brother of Tony, Amber's father. So he's a down-on-his-luck, heavy-drinking, part-time construction worker with a history of run-ins with the law. But I'm talking about for things like drinking and driving, public intoxication, nothing, you know, violent, nothing that would say... I am the kind of person you should come to if you would like a hit taken out on a teenage girl. Nothing that really said that. But Wanda figured maybe he knew someone who could take care of the Amber problem for her. But when she asked him about it, he said, of course, I don't know anyone who's going to take out a 13-year-old. I mean, that's it. That's done. And you would think that that would be done, that Wanda would move on. Plan B or C or D or down the alphabet, anywhere away from murder for hire. But she doesn't. 
See, like everything else in life, this is some an obsession that was rooted in this deep-seated childhood dream that she had held onto for years, and she's not about to let it go now. So as a kid growing up in Channel View, she wanted to be on her drill team, but her father crushed that dream early on. The uniforms were too skimpy, he said. It was just, it was all just too much. The uniforms, the equipment, the travel, it all took time and money. Two things her family was short on. But now that she's all grown up, she's not about to take no for an answer. So on Christmas Eve, she appealed to Terry's sense of family. If he loved his niece, he would help her win. And to help her win, he needed to, you know, find somebody to murder two people. And that's when he realized his brother's ex-wife was deadly serious. So after the holidays, he and Tony go to the police, but getting them to take it seriously was another thing entirely. After some convincing, they agree to give Terry a wire to record his conversations with Wanda. Three weeks later, he comes back to the station, hands over eight tapes. So originally, her plan was to take out both Amber and Verna Heath until she found out how much it would cost. Terry told her that the man that he had in mind, this fictional man, would do it for $7,500. $5,000 for Amber, $2,500 for Verna. Now, taking them both out was just, it was just too much money for her. She couldn't afford it. She could only afford one. So she thinks about it and decides to settle for Verna. Her logic is that Amber is going to be too upset to stay on the squad if her mother is killed. She gives Terry her diamond earrings as payment to pass on to this hitman. And on the way to give him these earrings, she drops Shayna off at a church function. It's just, it's unbelievable. So the next day she's arrested. The town is in shock. Verna and Amber are horrified. Of course, this woman was out there, you know, plotting their death. And Shayna Wanda's daughter, she's utterly destroyed. She begs to be allowed to change schools, but Wanda refuses to let her. Her father, Tony, suggests that, you know, she should get counseling to help her deal with this. But Wanda says no to that, too. In her mind, she's, like, done nothing wrong. Her brother-in-law had simply misinterpreted a joke. He may even have been setting her up, like, you know, framing her literally to get back at her for some friction between the two of them when she'd been married to Tony. Either way, she wasn't going to let her daughter act like something was wrong. So every day... Shayna has to sit in the same classrooms with the girl her own mother was accused of trying to have killed. And when tryouts roll around in March, she stays far away from the school gym. Amber made the team again, though. In August, Wanda goes on trial. After deliberating for about six hours, the jury votes to convict. She's sentenced to 14 years in prison, but the trial is overturned after it's discovered that a juror was on probation for a drug-related felony. Like he lied about it or there was some kind of confusion, something, but he should never have been on the jury. And all of a sudden it's a mistrial. So while she's waiting for her second trial to start, she's in prison. She was there for about six months on work detail. She's clearing weeds from the side of the highway. Now you have to like, Picture this woman, this dress to the nines, full Texas hair, you know, all the makeup, everything. She's impeccable. And now all of a sudden she's doing, you know, she's cleaning, picking up garbage on the side of the road and yard work with like in a chain gang. It's insane. The entire town is blown away. But before she can go back in front of another jury, she pleads no contest to the charges and her sentence is commuted to nine and a half years of probation. 
six months time served, and a thousand hours of community service. She takes a job as a secretary in a little town on the other side of Houston, like Channel View is here, like on this side of things. Houston is in the middle and Wanda is bailed out to like a town way on the other side of Houston. So meanwhile, her son's college fund had been drained to pay her legal bills and her daughter, Shayna, is struggling to deal with the aftermath. So where did they all end up? Well, Terry, the whistleblower, he dies of liver failure in 2005. Shayna has two kids of her own and she very decidedly doesn't care what kinds of extracurricular activities that they wanted to do. She just was like support them in anything they liked. And in 2012, she told People Magazine that her mother actually went years without discussing the incident with her or anyone. Eventually, she did apologize to her for it, but I mean, obviously the damage was done. But as for Verna and Amber, they went on to become very successful as legal insurance salespeople, an industry they got into as a result of the trial. And if you thought this story was intense, just wait. The next mother I want to tell you about kidnapped a drill team instructor and her 19-year-old daughter out of jealousy and revenge. The Rangerettes have been the pride of Kilgore College in Texas since 1940. The Precision Dance Team is a combination of the Rockettes and the Dallas Cowboy Cheerleaders. Beauty knows no pain is their unofficial motto. They perform all over, even in New York's Thanksgiving Day Parade. Dancers come to Kilgore from all over the country, but if you had ambitions to be a Rangerette and you grew up in that small town, the first step toward making the college squad starts with the high school dance team, the High Steppers. And our story starts there with tryouts in 2015. That's the year Kylie Motes didn't make the team. Now, this was an especially bitter pill because as a junior, it would have been her third season dancing with them. She started when she was a freshman. But that year, the competition was especially talented and she didn't make the cut. Her coach tried to soften the blow. She offered to make her the team manager just to keep this sweet girl around. But her mother, Nancy, had another fix in mind. She complained about her daughter's scores, and she kept complaining about the results until the school board heard her out. In the formal complaint published by Texas Monthly, she wrote, We believe there to be collusion with one or more of the judges and the coach. Every Friday night football game and performance, every time a senior milestone happens, it will be salt in the wound. A wound that will never begin healing for over a year until she leaves Kilgore. Now, the basis of her argument was Kylie's height. Rangerettes are meant to be indistinguishable from each other as much as possible. Just, again, picture like that rockhead kick line where everybody's moving in unison. They all are the same, you know, beautiful, glamorous girl. Well, the high steppers were formed in that tradition. In Nancy's mind, Kylie was cut because she was taller than some of the girls. There was no real basis for this complaint outside of her convoluted logic, but the school board voted to give Kylie her old spot on the team anyway, probably because they didn't want to deal with Nancy. In response, the coach took it one step further. If the results didn't apply to Kylie, then they shouldn't apply to anyone. Everyone who tried out that year got a spot. Now, you can imagine the drama that generated... Kylie was mortified, so Nancy pulled her out of Kilgore High and transferred her to another high school for her senior year. After all of that, she, like, pulls her out. Well, that should have been the end of it, and for Kylie it was, but not for her mother. 
So picture that stereotypical stage mom. They're living vicariously through their kids. They take everything like personally as if it's happening to them. And even if it was happening to them, they're taking it way too far. It's just, it's nuts. Well, Nancy takes that stereotype to the extreme. On December 29th, 2016, she snaps. Earlier that day, she happened to run into her daughter's ex-boyfriend, Patrick. And by run into, I mean, she passes him in her car and decides to follow him. So what happens next is based on the research and reporting of Katie Vine from Texas Monthly. So get this, Kylie's ex was supposedly dating this girl named Brianna. Well, for reasons unbeknownst to anyone but Nancy and her therapist, she decides to pour over this girl's Facebook page and she discovered that she's Facebook friends with a girl named Alexa Blair. Alexa had been on the High Steppers drill team with Kylie in high school, but she'd gone on to join the legendary Rangerettes at Kilgore College. So her mother was Dana Blair, the director of the Rangerettes, and Dana and to some degree Alexa were on Nancy's list, if you know what I mean. Now stick with me here. Apparently Dana had given Patrick's mother some piping hot gossip about Nancy. So rumor has it that she once told people Kylie was pregnant so her boyfriend at the time wouldn't break up with her. It's it's so bizarre that I feel like I have to clarify. I'm talking about Kylie's boyfriend at the time. And this is Nancy spreading a rumor that her own daughter was pregnant. It's, there's no words. So anyhow, this guy breaks off with Kylie anyway, then finds himself dealing with Nancy. The whole thing is bizarrely dramatic. And keep in mind that this is not Patrick, the guy she's following. This is a whole other boyfriend like before Patrick. But when he started dating Kylie... Apparently, Dana told his mother about this crazy pregnancy story, and she tells Patrick. And then he tells Kylie, and Kylie tells Nancy. Eventually, she and Patrick break up, and Nancy blames Dana. Yeah. Well, when she saw him drive by that day, she gets it into her head that he's on his way to meet up with Brianna, this new girl. Her logic for following him is it's murky even to herself, but there is some thought about getting a picture of them together to show Kylie for like God knows what reason. It's it's crazy, but it gets weirder and worse. For some reason, Nancy has a brown wig, duct tape, and a gun in the car with her. Well, I mean, it is Texas, so that explains the gun, but a wig and duct tape? In any case, she puts on the disguise and she follows this guy, Patrick, for a while, but he doesn't really seem to be going anywhere specific. So she decides to like change courses and track down Brianna instead because maybe she thought she'd go straight there, wait for him to show up, get the picture. I don't know. Maybe she's planning on confronting this teenager. I, I don't know. Quick side note, though. Apparently, Brianna wasn't even dating Patrick. So this whole thing is even more ridiculous than it sounds. And that is saying something. And then just to make it even more bizarre at this point, Alexa, Kylie, Brianna, and Patrick have all graduated from high school. So this is all old news to everyone but Nancy, I guess. Anyhow, she doesn't know where Brianna lives, but she does know where the Blair house is. So she decides to go there and make Alexa tell her where Brianna is. It's about six in the evening when their doorbell rings. Alexa and Dana at this point are getting ready to go to the Cotton Bowl for a Rangerette performance the next morning. So, you know, they're running around getting stuff ready, you know, doing, getting, getting it together. And Dana opens the door out of, you know, this person ringing your doorbell out of the blue. It's weird. She opens the door and she sees this woman she doesn't recognize standing there in this short brown wig. And this woman is, oh, Nancy, is she's holding up this 
snowman cardboard picture kind of a thing in front of her face. So she can't, so she doesn't recognize her. But keep in mind that these women have never met. They know of each other, of course, especially Nancy because of the whole high steppers debacle thing with Kylie. So she, she knows obviously who she is, especially considering that pregnancy story, the whole deal, but she's never actually met her officially. And she looks different. And this is not a person like she knows who it is. So she's like, all right. But Nancy's standing there. She asked to speak to Alexa. So she figures, oh, well, you know, Alexa knows who this is. I'll call her down here. Alexa comes down. And at that point, Nancy pulls out a gun. She also pulls out her duct tape and she demands their phones and then forces Alexa to tape her mother's wrists behind her back before she does the same to Alexa. Now, when both women are secured, she starts like scrolling through her phone looking for Brianna's number, but it's not there because they're not even that good of friends. And again, this all happened back in high school and it's, it's bizarre. So. <laughs> I'm so, this is just, it's such a crazy story. So it's really hard to understand what on earth is going through this woman's mind to do something like this. But whatever she's thinking, she leans in. So she tells them to get in Alexa's car. But before they can leave, the girl tells her she needs to put on her shoes. She just come down from her room and she's barefoot. So Nancy says, okay, yeah, you can go up and get your shoes. Well, the second Alexa gets into her room, of course, she's thinking about how to escape. She doesn't have her phone to call 911. Nancy still has it. And she doesn't want to go out the window and leave her mother at the mercy of this crazy lady. But while she's upstairs thinking it over, Nancy gets suspicious. She tells Dana to kneel by the front door so she can go up and check on Alexa. But the second the woman's out of sight, Dana runs for help. A couple of neighbors were just like pulling into their driveway not far away, apparently. So she runs over to them. Well, the guy gets out of the car and comes with her back to the house. And his wife or the woman, we'll call her the woman, is still behind the wheel. And she sees Nancy. Well, she sees two figures, as the Texas Monthly put it. She sees two figures leave the house. It's Nancy and Alexa. Nancy pulls her over to these this nursing home kind of nearby across the street where she had parked her car. And this woman, the neighbor, decides to follow them. So now all of a sudden this thing is evolving into a car chase. I mean, they're doing like 80 miles an hour, blowing through lights, stop signs. It's something out of a movie. Luckily, this neighbor that's chasing them has the presence of mind to call 911 and give them the license plate number before she loses sight of Nancy's car. Meanwhile, once she's lost, you know, this tail, Nancy starts throwing Dana's phone and Alexa's phones out the window. She's throwing the wig out the window. She just keeps driving. But she uses the time to grill Alexa with this series of bizarre questions. Things like, do you think you're perfect because you're a rangerette? And like, how are you so calm? Is that because of your rangerette training? Incidentally, Alexa is coming off as calm because she's in total shock. But the grueling training that she went through as a rangerette did help her survive that night. So less than an hour after she rang the Blair's doorbell, Nancy pulls up to a storage unit and she drags Alexa inside. She forces her to the floor and wraps duct tape around her legs. And then she says, this is for my daughter, Kylie Motes. And she chokes her until she passes out. When she comes to, Nancy is still there. And she sees that Alexa is still alive and says, oh, are you still breathing? But she doesn't attack her again, thank God. Instead, she seems to like think better of it or she comes to her senses or who knows what, but she leaves. But not before putting tape over Alexa's mouth so she can't call for help. But 
This girl is not going down like that. She's been training with the Ragerettes and she is in the best freaking shape of her life. So she manages to rip apart, this is a miracle, she rips apart the duct tape binding her hands. And from there, she makes her way out of the storage unit and runs for help. So the police are already on the case because of this car chase and the kidnapping. So Nancy is barely home before they're knocking on her door. The next morning, Alexa and Dana head off to the Cotton Bowl for the Rangerettes halftime performance. It's <laughs> amazing. So why did this woman do this? Well, in a statement, Nancy wrote, the event was a strong response to people bullying my daughter. It started when my daughter was cut off from the Kilgore drill team in 2015 after having been a member for three preceding years, and the judges were all previous Rangerettes. In April 2019, she got five years behind bars for two counts of aggravated kidnapping, and she was paroled in the fall of 2021. So how did these parents become such ruthless competitors when all that really matters is raising kids who are happy and healthy? It is mind-blowing. Do you know any parents like this? We need to talk about it in the comments. Throw it in there. And that is your recap. Thank you for spending some time with us today. If you like getting all the crime in half the time, it would mean so much to us if you would subscribe and give this show a five-star review. It only takes a minute, but it means the world to us. Chris and I are here with new recaps every week. So until next time, take care.